The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's pole. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. And so the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are God. 
sin against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our own heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and, and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading appointed for this, both Palm Sunday and the Sunday of the Passion, is from the book of Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. The Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. And when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free, then he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge? who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering, let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard, that, heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belongs to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. And so he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, <clears throat> then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. And so Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid, him, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if, these thing, for if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him 
and the criminals, one on his right and one on his, le on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of con condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had yet been laid. It was the day of preparation. And the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the, the tomb and how his body was lain. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. This is the Gospel of the Lord. together our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the only Son of our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
heaven's rafters ring. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text on this Palm Sunday is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 19th chapter, these words. And as Jesus was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all of the miracles that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and he said to them, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And when he approached, he saw the city and he wept over it. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Surely we all have our favorite kings and our favorite queens from ancient lore. And I suppose in good part, the favorite king or queen that we would have depends upon our ethnic origin. For example, if you're English, it might be a Queen Victoria or a Queen Elizabeth or a King Henry VIII of Tudor fame or King Arthur, if he even existed, because debate still rages on that question. Or if you're French, it might be Charles the Bald, or Charles the Fat, or Charles the Simple. The French had a rather good sense of humor when it came to reflecting upon the names of their kings. Or if you're German, it might have been Maximilian the First, or the Second, or the Third, or perhaps it was uh, Wilhelm the First, or the Second. Or if you're Hawaiian, King Kalakua, who was the Merry Monarch, or Emperor Jimmy of Japan, or the Qin Dynasty from which China gets its name, and one of those emperors. It all depends, in part, I suppose, upon what your ethnic origin might be. One of my favorite kings of Scandinavian history was the Viking king named Canute, who ruled about 1000 AD. And Canute ruled not over only, only over Denmark, but he also then ruled over Norway and he ruled over England as well. He was also the first Norse king to be a truly Christian king who was insistent upon rebuilding all of the monasteries and all of the missions and all of the churches that had been torn down by the Vikings in their maraudering that they had done prior to his becoming king and he rebuilt them all with determination. And because of his popular and his successful reign, he was perceived by many of his subjects to be just about invincible. And so to convince his subjects that he was not indeed invincible, the legend goes that he one day ordered his throne to be brought down to the ocean's shore. And escorted by his court, he proceeded to have his throne set right at the water's edge. And then he proceeded to the throne, and he sat in the throne, and needless to say, as the waves came closer and closer and the tide arose, the defiant waves coming and lapping everything back and forth, including the throne upon which King Canute sat, those attending him became wet themselves and rolled into a frenzy, but the king just sat there. 
And so the legend goes that he sat there weeping, not in fear, not in frustration that the tide wouldn't obey him when he commanded it to stop, because he knew from the outset that it wouldn't obey him. He wept because as he sat there, he thought about his sovereign. He thought about his king of kings, his Lord, who could still silence the wind and silence the waves and command them to stop and they would obey him. And yet how that king of kings once vacated his throne in heaven and set aside his power and his glory so that he could become man, so that he could weep for Canute, and so that he could bleed for him and die for him. And one historian tells us that King Canute was so moved by the experience of it all that he took off his crown and he placed it upon a statue of the crucified Christ and he never wore it again. Perhaps it would be good for all of us sometime in the days of this holy week to come to make a trek to the ocean, a Palm Sunday pilgrimage, if you might, and to stand ourselves there at the shore and to watch that tide coming in and going out and those waves rolling in and rolling out, that cadence of it all reminding us of our own mortality as time passes on. Perhaps then we too would weep to think that he who with a single word could still those very waves and could stop them and reverse their roll and silence their roar once vacated his royal throne so that he could indeed come and weep for us and bleed for us and die for us as well. Or perhaps as Palm Sunday pilgrims of sorts, we could take ourselves to some high place, go down Highway 9, go up to the top of Highway 9 that looks over the city of San Jose or go to San Francisco to Twin Peaks or to Coit Tower or to Mount Tamalpais stand in one of those heights and look down upon the city. And perhaps we too then would weep, at least inside, to think of the teeming masses, the teeming masses of people who still reject our Lord Jesus today, even as he wept, pausing at the Mount of Olives, overlooking the city of his rejection so long ago. There at Jerusalem had lived and reigned the greatest of kings, King David, Solomon, Uzziah, Hezekiah, Josiah. There had spoken the great prophets Nathan and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Zechariah. Never had there been a city like this holy Jerusalem, a city with such a past. And yet, because of their rejection of the true Messiah, of God in the flesh coming for them, because of that rejection, it became a city of impending doom. And no wonder our text says when he beheld the city, he wept over it. He himself explains why, for the days shall come upon thee, said he, with tears in his eyes, that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round about, and hem thee in on every side, and shall lay thee level with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. 
30 years after Jesus wept on the very ground where his donkey paused, the 10th Roman Legion was encamped. And you know what it was doing there. It was shutting off every supply to the city of Jerusalem. And the Roman general Titus encircles the city with a palisade with these sharp pointed stakes five miles long all around the city, these pointed stakes upon which would later hang the thousands of bodies of those who tried to escape the famine that was occurred in the surrounded cities. So terrible was the spectacle that, that the, the city was finally restored and burned. And General Titus himself went into the city and history tells us that he was sickened by the sight of what he, even as a Roman general, there saw. And all because Thou, O Jerusalem, knowest not the time of thy visitation. How many people still today refuse to see this day as their day of the Lord's gracious visitation? How many children this day in neighborhoods around this sanctuary and the neighborhood in which you live know not the Christ, the crucified, because they're deprived of knowing him. They will never in their entire lives sing the words that our children sang this morning, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Think about it, hundreds, yea, thousands, who because of the unregenerate conditions of their own hearts face a future which will be compassed around and encompassed by and hemmed in on every side by sin's devastation which will leave no stone of their lives unturned. How many men and women, often our colleagues at work and our friends, are striving with such dedicated fervor to lay up for themselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal only to refuse that imperishable gift, that imperishable treasure which Christ has reserved in heaven for all of those who love him? How many people's lives are littered with disposable relationships and with wrappings of this or that promise that contained no substance, broken promises that have shattered their lives. And yet there stands before them one who wept for the world, one who says, come on to me all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest, rest for the restless. The one who wants to establish an eternal relationship with them and who offers them on this day of their visitation things that will never ever break, promises never broken, will they miss this day of his gracious visitation. Joseph Addison Alexander once wrote these words. He said, there's a time we know not when, a point we know not where that marks the destiny of men for glory or for despair. There's a line by us unseen that crosses every path, that hidden boundary between God's patience and God's wrath. There are so many who need to know that this day is the day of the Lord's gracious visitation. So many who need to know that beyond the story of Palm Sunday, there's even a greater story 
that unfolds, for no story ever told about a man's love for others is greater and more important to each and every one of us than the story, the true story, of what happened to Jesus after he entered into Jerusalem on that day of his rejection. Beyond the weeping of the Mount of Olives on another mount called Calvary, the greatest story ever told unfolds. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus shed sympathetic tears. But on the Mount called Calvary, Jesus shed sacrificial blood. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus cries. But on the Mount called Calvary, Jesus dies for your sins, for mine, and for those of the whole world. As the hymn writer so beautifully put it, and as we sang last Sunday, sometimes they strew his way and his sweet praises sing, resounding all the day, Hosanna to their king, then crucify is all their breath, and for his death they thirst and they cry. The city over which Jesus wept would have given him and should have given him the keys of the city. Instead, they gave him a cross of the city outside of the city walls. But it would be, and this is the way God so often works things, despite man, despite man's sin, and indeed for man's sin, that very cross that the city would give him would be the instrument by which the doors of the eternal city, it would be the key by which the doors of the eternal city would be for mankind ever opened. For all who by faith know that same Jesus Christ, the same Christ that today came into Jerusalem, not to be the conquering king, but to be the suffering servant and the savior of all mankind. I began today by telling you about a king who wept. Let me conclude by telling you the story of another man who wept. It was during the Civil War. A man was sitting on a park bench in Washington, D.C., it said, and he was crying. You see, his son, under great emotional distress, had deserted his post in battle and he was going to be shot by the firing squad soon. The father had come to the Capitol in Washington, D.C., hoping to see President Lincoln. But understandably, he wasn't able to get in to see him. He wasn't able to get through the front gates. People passed by. No one stopped to listen to him. He, in frustration, the man was simply sitting there on that park bench, crying. And finally, a little boy paused, and he asked the man why he was crying. And in his emotional distress, the man told the boy a story. If only I could talk to the president, he said, I know that the president would grant my son pardon. And the young boy took the man by the hand and he said, Sir, come with me. And when they came to the front gate of the White House, hand in hand, they walked right past the guards, no questions asked. Well, the man was amazed. They came to the room where the president was conferring with his generals and some members of his cabinet. And the boy escorted the man right past the detachment of soldiers at the door. And then all conversations stopped when the young boy jumped upon the president's lap and he said, Daddy, there's a man that I want you to meet. He needs our help. The man told the president his story and the son received the presidential pardon because the son of the president took an interest in his plight. The son of God has taken more than simply a sympathetic interest in your plight. 
because mere words or even a sympathetic tear on our behalf were not enough to gain our pardon. Not enough at all. He put himself in our place. He put himself on our cross. And he was there executed for our transgressions. He put himself where we deserve to be in order that we someday might be where he now is. And that's why we, having paused with him as he weeps in the Mount of Olives, shout not only, Hosanna, save us now, but that's why we, reliving and recounting the holiest of all days in the history of the world, must begin this holy week by saying and by singing, Ride on, Lord Jesus. Ride on in majesty and lowly pomp. Ride on to die. Bow thy meek head to mortal pain. Then take, O Christ, thy power and reign. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and sing with me that hymn.
We pray. <clears throat> o most holy Father, you once perfected praise from the lips of children and the mouths of the masses to adore Christ as the blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord. Accept today our praises, and may we ever gratefully rejoice when you bring salvation into our midst. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O most holy Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, you once humbled yourself to take on the form of our flesh, lowering yourself even to the point of shame and death upon the cross, so that you might bring life and salvation to this sinful world. By your Holy Spirit, bless the preaching of your cross and the administration of your sacraments to create and sustain saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. O most holy Spirit, Create and renew in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, that we too may readily humble ourselves and be always eager to serve one another rather than to be served. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, you hold in your hand all the might of men. We ask you to give wisdom to the leaders of the world that they might govern their lands with integrity and respect the rights of all in their land. Bring to nothing the plans of those who oppose your will. Bless our nation and all who serve the people, our administrators and legislators and judges, and all who serve to uphold law and order. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, most gracious, according to your unchanging goodness, look in mercy on all those who suffer illness or infirmity or are recovering from hospitalization. To these ends, bless Marguerite Helt and Dick and Elsie Much, Hugh Ryan, Sonia Heidemann, Ralph Chambers, others we name in our hearts. Grant healing also to little Lydia Kneffel contending with regular discomfort. As you work in their lives what you deem best for them, give them patience and give strength to their family members and friends who attend to them in their conditions. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, by your spirit you bring comfort to your people in their seasons of sadness. Be now with those who mourn loved ones, including David Carlson and his family at the death of David's father. Remind your people that because you were not willing to abandon us even unto your death, you will most certainly now not abandon us in any season of our lives now that you live. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Giver of all good, you bless in abundance. We, we ask that you receive the thanks of all who celebrate your grace in their lives as they mark anniversaries of birth or marriage or baptism in this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who don't know what Christ has done for them. For those who've heard the word of God but consider it to be no more than the word of men. For those who will, during this holy week to come, pass by the cross of Christ unheeding. We pray that through your word they might come to joy in your cross with us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy and heavenly Father, may we in the days of this holy week to come ponder the passion of Christ Jesus anew. And as scripture's bidding move with him from Jerusalem's city gates to the upper room, to the garden of Gethsemane and to the judgment hall and then to the cross to behold the sacrifice made for the sins of all the world. And finally, to the empty tomb, that we may celebrate his resurrection in life. Receive our prayers and accept our praise through your Holy Son, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy and almighty word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.